Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller and yes, this is indeed a pro wrestling podcast. We are but days away from the Royal Rumble and that means I'm pumped, you pumped, everybody's pumped because even if you don't... It basically, it brings out all the secret wrestling fans. Everyone pretends they don't like wrestling, and the Royal Rumble starts, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to talk about the Royal Rumble. I know how it works. Do go back to the uh, first episode this dropped this week, where we do go through the Royal Rumble match by match. I assume we're going to do that a little bit today, just because that's the nature of the beast. And again, just a tie into what this episode is all about, in case you've never listened to before. Episode two of the week is where I reach out to one of my patrons that do indeed support the podcast. The podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for patreon.com forward slash Simon. 316 are lovely people that reach out to help me out, which is why today we get a Patreon on, and I'm pleased to say, at the very last minute, he has helped me out of a right bound. It's my man, <laughs> Rob. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, aside from the cold. It is 12 degrees Fahrenheit where I'm at, which I believe is about minus 11 degrees. It is, yeah. And, uh, that, that, that's, yeah. that's cold. I mean, it's like zero here, but and that's outside. Indoors, it's all right, so you're, you're in a room. Yeah, it's... Uh, Turns out my new place, my new house, is quite drafty. Didn't know that. Uh, haven't been here long enough to experience that till <laughs> just about now. You're going to have to get those draft excluders, man. Those those big snakes that you throw at the bottom of doors and stuff. They're weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be brilliant. Yep. That's true. Well, dude, look, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I, no I, I do appreciate it, especially because I think where you are, obviously, miles away across the pond, it's like half six in the morning or something ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's gonna gonna come seven about twelve minutes here. There we go. There we go. So look, Simon of Pro Wrestling Podcast rolls on regardless. So look, dude, we had a little bit of a chat before we begun, and straight away you were saying things that put a big smile on my face because, as people know, <laughs> I love doing podcasts like this. You just never know where they're gonna go. And straight away, again, you dropped some stuff in, and I was like, "There it is. There's the hook for this week's episode." So, and also, you know, you are, as I'll let you talk about in a minute, somewhat of a. I don't know the right word, but a newbie, I guess I'll call you, to the wrestling world. There's something in there. You kind of hinted at it, so let's do that. Why did you start watching wrestling? Where are we at now? Give me your pro wrestling history, especially because the most interesting line you gave to me earlier was, I'm hooked on this for life. And I think everybody that watches wrestling kind of knows that feeling. So yeah, give me the lowdown on on what brings you here today. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was aware of wrestling uh, during the Attitude Era because I feel like Everyone in America was basically aware of wrestling at that time. Uh, they just had a lot of things going for them. I'm not sure in a modern context if that product would hook me like the like the modern product does uh, as an adult. But as a kid, it was like, oh, man, everybody was talking about it at yeah. my school and, and everything like that. And, like, I thought it was very interesting, uh, but I was very quickly banned from watching it uh, <laughs> by my parents. Understandable. Uh, because there was, there was kind of a policy... Uh, in, in the household that if I wanted to be very interested in watching something on television or doing something, my parents would sort of just check it out to see how they felt about it. And the episode of Raw, I believe it was, I don't remember, I mean, I was a baby, uh, that I chose, this was an elementary school time, to show my parents, because I felt wrestling was just fine, uh, <laughs> involved... 
<laughs> the Godfather offering Excellent. Stephen Regal a night with three sex workers. Excellent. Who proceeded to, uh, <laughs> you know, display their wares. Uh, and needless to say, my mother and father were not terribly uh, impressed with the programming. That's excellent. Uh, that is the best story and, we've had in, in years. But also, fair play to your parents. Technically, that's just them being good parents. And that's the no, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's it sort of knocked me out of wrestling, though, because uh, I was already completely hooked into another lifelong fandom of mine, which is the horror genre. Yeah. And so my precious hours in the new hours of the morning when I could sneak and watch things that I wasn't supposed to were all taken up by horror movies. <laughs> and so, it. like, I was like, there isn't enough time while my parents are asleep to be a wrestling fan right now. Uh, because, you know, I need to catch up with Freddie and Jason and all those of folks. Of course, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I sort of just fell out of it. I was, of course, very enamored with The Undertaker, though, for that exact reason, right? Like, there's all these people who are wrestlers, and they wrestle. And then there's a undead demon <laughs> cowboy? What? Uh, and and that was very instantly captivating, to say nothing of how, even now, how strong that entrance is. Oh, man. Um, well, I think that's the kind of endearing nature of that character, right? Is that, one, even as you know, mature adult wrestling fans, we're all happy just to accept, yeah, he's a dead guy. But also, yeah. two, <laughs> it, it's that entrance, right? No matter how many times you see it in the right setting or just one of those moments where somehow sort of life takes you you know, whatever it does, it just surprises you. That entrance is the best one ever, right? And it makes oh, you, yeah, it, gives, it, it gives you, it gives you chills, be it whether you're in the arena or you're just sitting at home on your couch. And that's the kind of thing. And I think it's moments like that where I go, that's why this character works because they've, come, they've come up with these ideas and concepts that stand the test of time. It sounds really sad, but I always used to, when people used to ask me about that, that aren't fans, I always used to compare it to a song that you like. And sometimes you can be listening to that song for the 100th time. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it's making me feel like I've never heard it before. And sure, Undertaker's yeah. entrance always does that. Like, it really does. It's fantastic. It's it's really one of the top, like, predictably excellent moments in wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, even though I kind of wish that you would retire at this point, because... Well, I mean, we all know why. Uh, well, it's, it's, <laughs> Crown, it's, it's, Crown Jewel was an interesting, uh, interesting experience. Oh man, watching I, I mean, obviously, Crown Jewel w- w- was controversial anyway. But it, it's a shame. Oh, well, I, yeah. Let's not even get into the politics because I, I canceled my WWE Network subscription over that. No, I, um, I understand. Like, I, I totally get I have, it. I have to watch the, you know, the versions of uh, Raw and SmackDown they put up on Hulu since I have that anyway. Uh, and like watch pay-per-views with friends or whatever because I just uh, the the dirty money and all that it's just it's kind of turns the stomach oh absolutely and and the other thing as well from a purely uh, obviously this is not a big deal at all I mean that was a shame because it was a shame it doesn't need any extra context to be a shame but the crown jewel show itself was so dumb and it was so ridiculous and so (laughs) over the top it was almost like why did you have to also you know, shroud this in horrible political controversy because I could have enjoyed the hell out of this show otherwise because it was basically, oh, yeah. it was all that was wrong with WWE just oh, spouting yeah. out. Was, they just, they just turned into it. They leaned into it so hard. It's like, it was like the last dying gasps of, of, of Vince being sure that he knew better than the fans what the fans wanted. Like, like almost throwing a tantrum uh, before All Elite came along and changed everything. Well, yeah, and I, I, uh, I, I like it when they do that. Like, I mean, not all the time, but on a show like Crown Jewel that I couldn't have given two hoots about anyway. Like, if you want to wind up the fans and, and do all the things that are going to piss people off, do it, man. If, I was in tears. When Shane McMahon yeah, won, I, I, I was in actual <laughs> tears. 
<laughs> I was dying. It was the funniest thing that I've seen in a long, long time because it's so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Um, but back on track, I, I have a tendency to digress, and you'll find that out over the course uh, not, of this. Nothing but, wrong with that, dude. Um, so I, I was out of it for a long, long time into other stuff, and one of my many hats that I wear now is that I'm a tabletop role-playing game designer. That is badass, and, dude. What a thing to be able to say that you do. That is a cool job. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually planning on putting my first gigantic, way too much work, don't design a game this complicated first, it's a stupid idea, game out there on Kickstarter sometime this year. Uh, it's called the Orpheus Protocol. Nice, man. Uh, and uh, that's actually the beta test of that is like a long-running campaign. That's the podcast that I run, the Orpheus Protocol podcast. But there you go. There is, Everyone go check it, it out. Right out. There. Everyone go check it out. <laughs> as it plug. turns out, a enormous overlap between people who like D&D and other tabletop role-playing games and people who like wrestling. Uh, and so tabletop Twitter was just going nuts in 2018 over the Royal Rumble. And I was like, you know what? Enough of my friends are talking about this. I'm going to give it a look. I'm just going to, on a whim, I was like, I'm going to just check this out. And, you know, as, as we all know, Royal Rumble 2018, especially without the benefit of seeing where some of that stuff went afterwards, it was, it was just incredible. Uh, it was so much fun. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, boy. this is." Sometimes you can just tell, like, okay, this is an art form that I am just completely resonant with. Like, I, I'm going to watch wrestling just a lot now for all time. <laughs> so good. So uh, good, dude. It's, it's such an impressive method of delivering a narrative. And, like, the added superhuman athletic performance and display gives it a feeling that a lot of other forms of entertainment don't have. And it's one of the last truly live things on TV. Although, you know, they do cheat a little bit here and there. But I, I always think that as well. I think the one thing that, again, because I've been watching it so long, and I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head, you forget that it's live, right? Like when some, we talked about entrances with The Undertaker. Where else do you get that? Where somebody's entrance music will hit, you'll have a dedicated entrance. It's always a bit like boxing, but it's, it's not at the same yeah. time. Because I'll throw MMA, UFC in there as well. When I watch boxing or MMA, which I do love, I'm always like, man, these entrances are crap. Because they are. They, yeah. they don't have the big production <laughs> values. They're not over the top. And that's kind of when you take a step back. And I always thought of it like... Um, from the Rock's point of view, like, or even John Cena now, sort of more, more to the point. But they always said, like, oh, you know, you, you never get this kind of entertainment anywhere else, and I'm always going to come back. And I always thought, yeah, I can see why, because I'm sure being an actor is great, and that comes with its own perks. But you never get that, you know, that, that kind of raw reaction. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin's Glass Break is, is the best example of that, where something happens. It's so good. Yeah, and you get that proper instinctual again, reaction from someone that's not even thinking about what they're doing. It's almost like Pavlovian conditioning. You're just reacting to this thing because deep down inside of you, that's what you've been trained to do. Probably and is exactly Pavlovian well, well, conditioning. It is, it is, yeah. But it's fantastic. And that is why, you know, when people say to me, why do you watch wrestling? I'm like, because like you just said, nobody else tells story like this. And sure, a lot of their stories are crap, but a lot of them are really good too. But also it has this this vibe and it happens within this environment that is utterly unique where really as long as everybody involved is happy to do it you can do whatever you want 
Like there is, there are no rules in pro wrestling. The, the, the book is open, and that's why it's so fascinating. And you do forget that the more you watch, you just get used to it. But when you take a step back and remind yourself, like this is what a crazy form of again oh, entertainment sure. you can just tune into once, well, a few times. A week. I mean, I mean, if you look at something like the New Day and then something like the Undertaker, and consider that those are all characters on the same thing, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like that blend of genres, that absolute bedlam, that chaos of tone, really the only place I could think that you get something like that would be Bollywood films. Yeah. No, you know what? That is such a... Is, I mean, I've only seen a few, but that is such a good comparison because, again, they... they just do whatever genre makes sense for this scene. Yeah, exactly. They go, you know? they go by their own rules. They're not, they're not yeah. confined by... And yeah, sure, the argument is WWE has fallen into a pattern. Okay, they've fallen into the WWE pattern. But like you said, you still... You still do get, again, the New Day coming out, and then you'll get a guy posing in a mirror, and then, <laughs> and then there's a dude that's pretending to be dead. It's just like, it's just, what is this? What, I, I don't yeah. think there's any explanation for it, which is probably why, like you, se- you said yourself, some people will react and love it straight away, and other people will never be able to understand, because I do think it's that divisive. I just think oh, yeah. it either clicks with yeah. you or it doesn't. But that is brilliant, dude. I, I, mean, is- I would tend to agree. Yeah, so I, I mean, I just, I got into it so hard after that Royal Rumble. I've watched every Raw and SmackDown. Some of those Raws were a mistake, but <laughs> watched every Raw and SmackDown and every NXT since then. And I've also gotten into New Japan, which I actually think is a better product, probably, on, on the balance. Uh, perhaps not than NXT, but certainly uh, over the other two shows. Yeah, I think the thing with uh, New Japan is, is that Okay, I think the older you get, the more it's harder to suspend your disbelief, and I think New Japan does such a good job of doing that by presenting it as a sport. I mean, it's as simple it's as simple sure. as that. But I always come back to the to the fact that as I do, I, I'm a I'm a New Japan convert now. I was always on the cusp, and then it's kind of the big boom over the last few years just just wrapped me in. But I think the reason I love it so much is because I always know I can go back to my crazy WWE world, and that's why oh, sure. I, that's why I never want it to change. I think my love for New Japan is heightened because of my love for New for um for WWE. WWE. Yeah, yeah, and like I, I appreciate the cartoonishness of a lot of the stuff in WWE, and I appreciate sort of the more gritty, straight down the middle presentation of some of the more sport-like elements in New Japan. I think ultimately what sort of wins it for New Japan for me is just that the storylines all make sense. Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, like Vince McMahon revolutionized the industry. Like his sort of understanding of promotion and camera techniques and production and things like that i mean without that wrestling would be like a little rinky dink regional thing like it was for you know roughly hundreds and hundreds of years before (laughs) uh for sure but like speaking as you know a creative that's how i butter my bread I don't think Vince is a good writer i don't think he has a good grasp of storytelling at all interesting Uh, dude and uh and I, it, it, the things that are annoying about WWE here and there have all the classic earmarks of like a movie or a television show that suffered from ex- excessive executive meddling, where someone who's cutting a check gets to just get the final shot on everything, uh, even though they don't really know the craft, uh, narratively speaking. Uh, and, it, and it feels very much like that when when you get some of these insane things that make no sense. And like, oh, we're we're building up, you know, the the break the breaking of the shield right like this this unbreakable brotherhood that b- somehow broke and survived <laughs> and came back together 
And so we've got this villain who is the one who, even after knowing how painful that sundering was for all involved, is going to betray his brother on the night that his other brother announces that he has fucking leukemia, right? We build that up. And then a couple weeks later, Vince rewrites three episodes in a row. And by the end of it, Dean Ambrose character is dead on arrival. Yeah. And like no anticipation, no more intrigue, no emotional authenticity. He's like, oh, I don't like germs. And he gets a shot in his (laughs) butt. Like that is not something that would happen if someone was, was, you know, writing with an eye to making a good story who at least had good instincts in that direction. I think that, you know, when you've got one person who has final say on literally every aspect of a project the size of WWE, that's too much work to get right, even if you're the best person in the world at doing, like, everything. I think the real... And, and I think that the story is really where it wears thin sometimes. Absolutely. And the real issue with the Dean Ambrose thing was, is that if someone comes up to me right now and catches up on the story and says, Simon, why did Dean, Am- Dean Ambrose start to hate Roman Reigns? I go... I don't know, man. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I have no answer for you. I wasn't told. It's the same reason, you know, why did Big Show come back for a month and team with the bar and punch the New Day in the face? I have absolutely no idea. I was just yeah. never told. Going back to the Vincent Mann thing quickly, because I, I think that was quite an interesting sure. point of view. Do you think he's ever had that skill? Because obviously the, the, uh, the, um, the stereotypical you know, Vince McMahon argument is, oh, you know, back in his pomp and his heyday, he was great and he had his finger on the pulse of the demographic everybody wanted. But as he's got older, his mind has slipped as it does for everybody. uh, And now he can't do it anymore. Do you think... Yeah, you know, I don't don't think it's necessarily age. Uh, I was thinking about that because he's been featured on the product a lot more recently. Yes. And... I felt that for a man his age, he seems remarkably sharp. Incredible. Uh, for a 72-year-old and, and dude. reactive. Yeah. Like, he's acting up there. Like, he's reacting to what the wrestlers are saying and doing all these facial expressions and, like, not messing up his lines. Uh, even if some of the stuff he's saying is fantastically weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, about David getting high on mushrooms. Honestly, like... Getting reincarnated <laughs> as Finn the, Balor. The whole... Amazing. The whole David uh, and Goliath story, as told by Vince McMahon, it didn't really hit I thought me it was funny. how weird it was, it was until, funny. like, yesterday. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely bizarre. It was. What was he talking about? Like, what was he talking <laughs> about? I have no idea. I should have... I, I, I thought once I once ups and downs was in the can and I, I got on with my dad, I was like, Simon, you really should have focused on that David and Goliath story more. But It, it was truly strange. It was. I mean, he was being he was being the heel, right? Like, he was displaying... Uh, in his character, that he is so at the top of the mountain and so a figure of authority and stuff that, like, he literally can't even imagine a world where David beats Goliath. So he just assumes that the story is that, of course, Goliath kicks David's ass. That was great. Because cause Goliath is huge, yeah, right? And, it, and, like, huge huge men always win. And don't right? forget that the week before that, you know, he had Finn Balor in a ring full of, of big men, and he went, look at all this man meat, this beef. I was like, yeah, look at what? all this beef. It's like he doesn't, it, it kind of goes back to the whole crown jewel thing. It's almost like he doesn't care he's like look this is what i think i believe and he's right i've had tremendous success i think big guys are great so you know go fuck yourself that was essentially yeah, what no, he was that, saying. that really that really was the promo wasn't it and um i think it's less age because I, I feel like he still he has a lot of his acumen still i don't think he's slipped in a very noticeable way i think it's more like and you see this in any art form uh there are kind of workhorses who you know novelists who write 50 novels uh, you know, filmmakers who make 50 films, etc., in their careers. And then there are people who have like one untouchable hit and they can't step out of the shadow of it. They get too attached to it. They can't overcome the legacy of the thing that they made. Yeah. 
uh, you know, like Harper Lee wrote two books and didn't want the first one published ever. <laughs> like true, it's yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird, and then they like elder abused her and like put out the other book even though <laughs> even though she didn't want it. And I feel like that's Vince McMahon. He had one untouchable hit in like the underdog Superman story with Hulk Hogan, and like he just doesn't have the juice to like try all the different other ways of telling stories uh, is sort of just, I mean, that's of course just my opinion. Like I could be totally wrong, but that's the impression uh, that I get from like looking at matches from back in the day versus matches now and things like that. But I think it's really interesting um, though, man, because you are coming at it from a, I would, I, 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 it kind of is a, an interesting or a unique perspective because obviously the big problem WWE has had over the last five or so years is getting new people to view. You are the counterpoint to that. You've joined over the last 12 months. You've said to yourself you're a, you're a fan for life. So, you know, technically when you just sort of get on that wave, most people would be, I would say they'd be quite high on it, but they wouldn't be sort of dissecting it as well as you have, as well as you have done. Because I also think, again, you can go back to the Attitude Era, and I always say this, and everyone always goes crazy. And I love, of course I love the Attitude Era. I was, you know, a young teenager. You know, things were, things were happening that, again, as, as you pointed out earlier, that should not have been happening for a child <laughs> to be able to see. I got banned from it as well. I think probably a lot of people did. But actually, if you go back now with a more mature adult head, whatever you want to call it, a lot of the stories that were being told, they weren't necessarily great, other than everything between McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, a lot of that... Again, the one I always talk about is the story with Kai and Ty and Val Venus was a bunch of Japanese dude wanted to chop off the porn star's penis. That was yep. the story. And That was the story. I, I mean, that, that, there's... They made a lot of headlines and got a lot of eyes on the product by being edgy and uh, and and risque, you know. And like that's a fun trick, but you need some substance behind it if you're gonna like keep it going. Uh, and I do think that that sort of like created a bubble that inflated to its natural conclusion. Yeah, and, and, and look, look, shock TV worked, especially in the late '90s, like Jerry Springer Absolutely. and reality TV. So if anything, everybody at WWE was very astute. They realized yeah, that what, was the cultural moment for sure. Yeah, yeah. and they, they and they jumped on it, and of course that's going to bring with it its own controversies, which it did. Yeah, we all remember everything with the parents' teachers' council and advertisers <laughs> pulling out, like it did. It caused a lot of problems. However, it didn't matter. It's almost like that thing, you, you know, if you've got a YouTube channel that has millions of subscribers, we've seen this all the time as well. And, oh my and, god, you can just be whatever kind of knob you want to be. Yeah, exactly, because you? you've got the numbers, and people always come back. I'm not saying that's a positive. I'm saying that's unfortunately sometimes true. how the world it's works. Just True, yeah. And that's what WWE did in the late 90s. They were managed to ride all these controversial waves. I mean, I was watching, uh, I forget which, I think it was Royal Rumble 2000 the other day for a, for a video I was going to do. I totally forgot they just had Mae Young take her top off. Like, and, oh, God. I, I, and she, of course they did. Why wouldn't and they? And she, she was wearing, uh, well, I believe, I, I, I'm 99% sure, she was wearing a prosthetic. But that's not the point. Because it, it's, no. not, it's not about what you do. It's the image that you want to put out there. It's the context that you're creating. And I was just yeah, like... I mean, you're, you're certainly sending a message about women. Well, yeah, exactly. And I was just like... And, and like, honestly, that's, that's the thing. Like, I... If I, if I went back in time, I couldn't watch, you know, the Attitude Era. Because, like, what they're doing in women's wrestling now... Uh, has sort of just now become acceptable to me. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, back then, like my again, I always say that if everybody's on board and that's what they want to do, it's not for me to criticize. But at the same time, if you want to take a step back, <laughs> look at it. For I mean, what I'll it go was. ahead. I'll go ahead and criticize for you, Simon, because when you put messages out there like that about fifty-one percent of the globe's population, people are going to listen to you. Oh, I, I totally, and that's I was totally bad. Did. No, 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 dude, I agree with you. I absolutely don't get me wrong. I. 
I went back through all the Attitude Era Raws a couple of years ago, and I could not believe some of the things that they did. It was unbelievable. However, you know, they, they captured magic. They captured magic in a bottle and really have been oh, chasing yeah. that, have been chasing yeah. that ever since. So my other question to you, just quite an interesting topic. What is, if you've kind of got to the conclusion that maybe Vincent Mann isn't the, the great storyteller that a lot of people think he may be, what is it now that's kind of keeping you invested? Because, yes, you know, absolutely. I, but, but, uh, but a lot of people say that they can, it's almost like when you watch a video. If you've got bad visual, but the audio is good, everybody's happy. And with wrestling, a lot of people say, I don't actually mind if the matches are a bit crappy, as long as the storytelling is good and I have something to buy into. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things, honestly. Uh, one is just the potential of the medium. As I said, like this is a unique platform for delivering a narrative that has this excellent live athletic component. There's really nothing else like it. And it just hits really hard for me. I think it's amazing. And so because of that super high potential, every time they do hit something really good, it's like worth it. It's worth the slog through this week's 25 minutes of Baron Corbin talking, um, which I'm so glad is over. Not that it was his fault at all, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but Baron like the, the good parts were worth going through the bad parts for me pretty, pretty much immediately. Um, and sort of out of respect for the wrestlers and all the production team and stuff that are just putting in insanely great work all the time, um, I can sort of forgive the story. I mean, I will dissect it because I also write. I also write like my first my first movie is actually coming out this year. Dude, that's badass, uh, that I, man. That I wrote. Yeah, uh, I guess not an unnatural segue to that. The Nightmare Gallery uh, is a movie coming out this year, uh, hopefully to some big streaming services as well as some on-demand stuff. Uh, it stars Amber Benson, who played Tara in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Dude, it was this, very fun this, uh, meeting her and working with her. Did you direct it or did you write it? What did you do? I wrote it. I wrote it. Dude, this is this is uh, amazing. Friend of, mine, friend of mine, friend of mine, directed it though. Uh, so it was a very, uh, very small, very uh, like team camaraderie. Like, let's all spend all of our money on this kind of. <laughs> kind dude, of a that's thing. what life's all about, man. When, dude, when that comes out, you've got to let me know. I will watch it and I will review that. I will absolutely awesome. review. That's, 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 well, that's fantastic. No, no, dude, that's cool, man. Anything like that is badass. People grabbing, you know, hold of their dream. I love it. I'm all about that crap. Everyone knows it. It's excellent. For sure, for sure. And so, you know, I, I just kind of naturally, between that and the English degree, like, I kind of, I can't, I can't have any innocence watching a story of any kind. I have to take it apart. Of course and, you do. And, and you're, look at how it works. It's and, your job, basically. And, you know, fr frankly, in WWE, a lot of times the story kind of doesn't work. Uh, these days, but you know when it does, it's fantastic, and uh, and I feel like there's a lot of cynicism about this like new era. We're gonna listen to the fans stuff, but I've seen a huge improvement uh, since they announced that in the product. Like so much more of what's going on makes sense. So much more of it feels like the wrestlers are really having an active input into what they're doing and being able to like really portray themselves uh, more so than before. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about how things are going right now. I, I, and I think as well, I mean, I don't know. This is just me purely speculating. But I think the best thing about All Elite Wrestling, no one, aside from the fact it creates competition and, you know, it, it creates a financial war, which is good because everybody wants to make money. 
I think it is going to allow wrestlers in the WWE that aren't necessarily getting their pushes, not only to get pushes on TV, but also be a lot more intense. Not intense, but oh, like, yeah. a lot louder I mean, backstage about what they want to do with their own character. So if Finn Balor has an idea, I imagine now, given what the environment is, he's going to feel far more confident to go to the writers of Vince McMahon and say, no, 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 do this with me. I promise that it will work because of X, Y, and Z. Whereas, again, even a year ago, they always used to get reported all over the internet. Everybody was too scared to say anything just in case oh, they yeah. get buried or there, released. There's so, there so many things like that. Finn Balor's finally getting pushed instead of being like, the most criminally underused person who's not named Sasha or Bailey. Uh, and like Mustafa Ali wouldn't be on the main roster before this pressure to like get a more in line with fans type of a product. Vince McMahon wouldn't care about him. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of good things are, are coming out of this. Uh, although I dread, I dread having a third type of wrestling that I have to somehow find time to watch. Uh, but so many people that I was really attached to in New Japan are going to All Elite. There's just, unless all of them go there and they don't get a deal where they work together with New Japan, I'm stuck watching three brands and I'm just screwed. I, I, Simon, I'm screwed. Well, this is the, that's because everyone, obviously, when it all blew, I was like, oh, the Monday Night Wars are back. I'm like, if only. This ain't the Monday Night Wars. You've got WWE. You've got, again, yeah, Ring of Honor. You've got New Japan. You've got All Elite Wrestling. You've got Progress. You've got, yeah, oh, yeah. You've got um, MLW. You, I could go on and on and on. Like, it is a completely different world. And again, if WCW was about to go out of business today, it wouldn't. Because they just do what Impact no. did in the sense they go on Twitch or they use social media or they find a deal here or no, there. They... Like, there's no way. I agree. Yeah, but, that, that, I agree. but that, that's why I get excited about it. And yeah, I get it. We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves because you never know. You're 100% right. It's, it, 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 sure. could, it could just tick along for three years, never really never really, you know, get the, the audience that it wants. And before we know, it's 2025 and WWE renews its TV deal. And oh, look, the status quo is exactly the same. But I'm just happy that, you know, the, the seed is there. The seed is there for change. Oh, and absolutely. That, it could be huge. It could be super huge. And like, even if it's not, First off, I support people going after their dreams the way that Cody and the Young Bucks are. Absolutely. Like, full stop anyway. But even if they never really get any success off of this, which I find highly unlikely, if you look at Raw after 2018's WrestleMania versus Raw after All Elite Wrestling got announced, I mean... Oh, night and day. Oh, there's no... They've already... It's already worth having happened <laughs> you know it's already earned its spot in my opinion even if they never put on a single tv show even if they are lying about their tv deal uh, you're right i'm dude. still glad they said you know i'm still glad they've done as they've done and obviously the tv deal must be real because why did chris jericho sign that it, so it, but yeah. th th i think that was the big thing and don't get me wrong chris jericho will be the first person to tell you but chris jericho is 100 percent right him signing that deal I had friends of mine that are very peripheral wrestling fans going, do what? You know, what, what the yeah. hell is this? Because that's what he does. People will keep an eye on Chris Jericho because he has built up the time and the legacy and the experience to where people give a, give a crap what he does. And that, oh, yeah. they, really needed, they really needed people like that. And again, someone like Chris Jericho who seems to just have his head screwed on in 100% the right way. Like, I doubt he's going to go in there and be the first champion. Or even if he did, there'd be a reason for it. You know, I think he'll play ball. 
and that's why I think AEW is so exciting because, you know, you saw on Being the Elite. I don't watch Being the Elite every week, but I try and keep up when I can. You know, the, the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes are already joking about the fact that they're all executive vice president. And as long as they keep getting on like that, and as long as their main goal is for it to be a success, then I do think it will be a success. And being a success doesn't mean taking out WWE. That's the last thing that I want. I want everybody to flourish because as we've already seen, like sure, you said, absolutely. it helps. And I... In 2019, of course, there's been a few things that I haven't necessarily think were good, but I have found Raw and SmackDown to be far more watchable uh, than they have been in, in, in a very long time. And closer to each other in quality. Like, because I felt like SmackDown never really dipped quite as awfully low as Raw did during the era of, uh, yeah, basically, gosh, like once WrestleMania was over and, and particularly uh, after Roman left. Um, like when you've got Baron Corbin running the show, uh, kayfabe and <laughs> the same three matches every week with just an incredible amount of the same exact talking points being talked every week. Oh yeah. My God. It was on the one and a half hour version that they put up on Hulu. It was too damn long. I can imagine. You know? Yeah. And like, that's crazy. You've got three hours to fill and the best group of like, at least the most exceptionally enormous group of top tier talent that's ever existed on the planet. Uh, to me, my, my best, you know, uh, rendition of WWE, at least before this change happened, it's like, imagine you've got the best group of visual effects artists and production team and uh, even some really good writers and all the best actors in the world that have signed a contract to work on these projects. But the only person who's allowed to do the final like executive production is Tommy Wiseau. And he's the <laughs> one writing it. Like that's, that's what WWE at its worst is like to me. And like anything to get us out of that slump is fantastic. And I have to give a lot of credit to all elite. There's no way that's a coincidence. No, I, I do. I, I think you're right. And again, the fact that we know the revival went, well, apparently, who knows what stories are true, but let's just say it is for the for the sake of this conversation. The fact we know that, or we assume we know, that the, the Revival went up to Vince McMahon after their Raw match a couple of weeks ago and said, look, man, we want to leave. That, <laughs> yeah, we want to be yeah, out of here. That is all elite wrestling. Oh, oh, and New Japan yeah. and Ring of Honor. You know, however, you know, all, all elite wrestling has certainly triggered that harder. But I think that's great. Well, because... and Andrade Cien Almas did something that would have got him fired or buried at any time during the last 30 years in WWE, WWF. Yeah, told his mates not to and come. And instead is getting <laughs> permission to put on the best TV matches you've ever seen. Honestly, man, that Rey Mysterio And there's no match. way that's not all elite wrestling. No, it is. Both of these matches between those two were just absolutely class. And, like, you almost never see something that good outside of a pay-per-view. And it's just, it blows me away. Uh, like, the match so nice, they did it two weeks in a row, and I actually just didn't even care. Yeah. I'm happy to see it. No, honestly, yeah. I, I'm the same, and I think the really cool thing about that is, again, the argument that I always see online, it's a fair point to make, is that WWE has a style, they don't deviate from the style, and that makes every match blur into one. Well, that was not WWE style. I mean, the, no. the, the, the point where Rey Mysterio glided over the top of Andrade and powerbombed him into the apron, I was like, oh, I've oh, never no. seen that in my life. Yeah, my 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 wife and I both like gasped watching that. You know, uh, it was just incredible. It was brilliant. Um, it was absolutely they, brilliant. They have insane in-ring chemistry. They're both you know top-flight talents, and uh, they're getting featured, even though they're not like the face of the company or whatever. I mean, we've been going without one for a while, actually. But <laughs> well, it has been um, a while now. Yeah, I mean, the last one was John Cena, really, and he started. 
going off the boil, I guess, what, 2015, 16, a couple of years, we can say. Yeah, so, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll trust you on that. I wasn't watching it at the time. So, well, well, actually, but, that, uh, that's interesting. Though. So what do you, what, I mean, a quick tangent, but what do you think of, we'll, we'll use Roman Reigns. I mean, again, it's that classic out of sight, out of mind, obviously all the best wishes with Roman Reigns, but the conversation has died down because of course it would do. He's not on Raw or SmackDown anymore. Sure, sure. You kind of came to it, a very strange time where he peaked, and then all of a sudden, he was gone. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you take uh, from all that? I'm not. A, a, I'm given to understand from the internet that I'm a bad wrestling fan because I don't <laughs> hate Roman Reigns. Dude, I don't either. I like uh, him. I like, like him a lot. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're not like. Okay. He's got the look, right? He's massive and one of the most handsome men that has ever been <laughs> born to this planet, right? Uh, and and like, he's a good worker. He doesn't forget his lines. Uh, good with the media I'm sh- yeah like what what's the problem I mean if you think the Superman punch is too unrealistic I'd like to introduce you to a fellow by the name of Mr. Undertaker <laughs> uh, so that doesn't like the realism thing doesn't really I don't get it what's, with that uh, but th- th- um, my, my, my problem with that like, is the if, booking if, has been bad sometimes but like if you're that doesn't make you someone who should hate Roman Reigns. It makes you someone who should be upset with the booking, which is true of almost every wrestler from some time to some time in their career. Exactly. Because the booking is not consistent in WWE, straight straight up. Like, you get, you get someone on the level of Finn Balor being used the way he's been used until very recently. Like, do you get mad at Finn Balor? I don't think you do. I think you get mad at whoever's making the matches well, and writing the story. That was the thing, right? Roman became almost like the surrogate for everybody backstage, which was the the, the most bizarre thing, bizarre thing ever. And that my whole point with the Superman punch is, I would always be like, you know what? I don't particularly like the Superman, you know, move whatever for whatever reason. But it's certainly not because of you know it being unrealistic. Because if we're going to go down that route, let's talk, <laughs> that's let, a dangerous road but, to go but, down. But let's talk about a body slam. That only works if the other person lets you do it. Like, you cannot do it unless someone we goes, like I'm going to do it. Every top rope spot ever. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, you, you, yeah. I, like I, they I, have to make sure that neither of them die. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I never and, understood and at that. At that point, it's like you're complaining that, like, you know, you're watching, I don't know, you're, you're watching, like, the new Spider-Man movie, you know, coming out later on. And you're like, oh, you know what? You lean over to your friend. This is stupid because Tom Holland isn't really a superhero. <laughs> I never understand the argument. Like, I, 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 I get the argument of, you know what? For a signature move, we could come up with something better. Too true. Too true. But you know what? It's safe. He's going to be able to do that when he's 50. Well, that's the other thing. And also, kids love it. Kids love yeah, it. I, and, I've and seen kids react to that. That's part of the demographic for sure. Yeah, I've seen kids react to that, and they think it's the greatest thing they've ever seen in their life. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have the energy in me to hate on Roman Reigns. Like, sure, people get annoying pushes that they. I mean, like Charlotte gets put in the front of the line when it doesn't make any sense all the time. Uh, but like, you don't see people react the same way. I do think that it almost became a meme, right? Like, if you're a wrestling fan. If you're a smart wrestling fan, you hate Roman Reigns. That seems like the culture, yeah. at least online. Uh, and I just, I've got no time of day for that. Well, I don't, like, I don't either, because I'd always much rather, as we're doing now, I'd always much rather discuss the product for what it is rather than what it's not. So I think it's much more fun to say, okay, Roman's the guy. What would we like to see him do? Or, you know, how could we shift him here? And especially because he has had good matches with everyone. I always go back to when he had that match with Daniel Bryan. At, I think it was Fastlane. It was just so good. And, and from that moment on, I was always like... 
I'm not sure what I meant. I, I, not a, you know what I meant to hate. And also, who else is yeah. there right now that that would fill that spot? Yeah, Finn Balor was a shout, and people also. You know, speaking of Finn Balor, uh, Roman Reigns had a title defense against Finn Balor after picking up the Universal Belt, and it was a great match. Yeah, it, exactly. It was. It was. So, but I was just intrigued because obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, just as I, I, I assume you learn about Roman Reigns, obviously we get the horrific news that he's got to go away and and uh, you know get better. That was some. That was some heavy shit. Uh, bordering on emotional manipulation when they get the you know all the sick kids saying you've got this roman they're like we're sitting here on the couch watching at home it's like i'm not crying you're crying (laughs) it was awful it it was one of those things where i woke up in the morning and i checked twitter as we want to do in 2019 and or 18 and yeah that you know that was the headline on one of the moments and i was just like what like that's not a thing and then i then i worried it was a storyline then quickly realized that it wasn't it was so hard to process it was just one of those things where it makes you feel sick in your stomach even though i don't know roman reigns but he is a part of your week-to-week life because you tune into raw so yeah very very you you can you can see it online there's a lot of people who have said some really hideous stuff about that man over the years who had to really look at their behavior in the cold light of day after that announcement came out oh yeah i mean and again the thing that always got me and again i got a lot of heat for this at the time but i say like heat who do i think i am i love hate for this at the time but <laughs> like i'm a wrestler um, yep. but, uh, well you are well yeah, I, yeah technically i am yeah it's true but i remember saying like i don't like all of these things where people say well i don't like the character roman reigns but what are you doing like what are you doing just send your well wishes to a guy that could probably do with yeah, some well nothing, wishes like, right the now. character has nothing to do like Really? Yeah. Who cares? I don't care if you like Roman <laughs> Reigns or that not. That is way, way off message. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. But I was, just, uh, I was, yeah. I, I was just intrigued. I was just intrigued. So obviously, you mentioned the Undertaker. You mentioned people like that. Outside of that, with the sort of the regular guys, who are the people? Who, who's who kept you hooked? Aside from the product and the way that. Okay. It's, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Who, who are my favorite wrestlers? Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. Currently, right now, um, I, I mean, the cheeky answer is Kenny Omega, Cody Bushi, and Kazuchika Okada, um, but. Uh, within WWE, uh, there's a few real big standouts uh, for me. Seth Rollins being one of them. Uh, I think that it can't really be overstated. He's a babyface who people like. That is true. It's true. Like, yeah, that's so hard to do. Like it fails so often, and he doesn't come. He doesn't come across as a as a nerd. You know, he doesn't come across as a geek being a babyface. He has a bit of um. A bit of an edge to him, a bit of a like chaotic, a uh, little bit of a crazy energy to him uh, that keeps him interesting to me. Uh, puts on really great matches. He can pull a good match out of basically anybody. Yeah. Um. I also right up there with my very big favorites right now is Daniel Bryan. Oh man, um, he is. I- and and interestingly, I mean, I knew that it was a big deal for him coming back, but because of when I started watching. Uh, you'd think it wouldn't have hit me, but man, that fight for your dreams and your dreams will fight for you promo like had me just broken uh, regardless. And like you could tell when he started really firing up uh, and bringing the fight to Sammy and Kevin that first day he was back, like that that was something special. Uh, and it's really sad how quickly they threw that in the toilet with, you know, big cast and then somehow messing up the feud with the Miz, which is surprising because like everyone wanted that. Uh, and then, you know, here's the new Daniel Bryan doing some of the most brilliant character work I've seen, uh, despite how little I've actually watched. It's just, 
it's a cut above uh and just everything he does turns to gold now with that microphone in my opinion yeah and he's amazing in the ring you know he he is like a a world-class talent and has been for a while absolutely um i I think he's able to do that thing as well where everything he's saying you would be hard to argue it but that oh sure the way he's he's, saying he's a heel because he's saying true things in a really rude obnoxious way yeah exactly exactly uh and i feel like that's actually daniel bryan being a little cheeky because i think he figured this is how I can get these true facts about like, you know, the planet and ecology and things like that, that matter a lot to me out there on national television. Uh, I will be allowed to say all these things if it's in the context of me being an asshole. Exactly. But then it's still out there. I feel like that's something that he's probably thought through quite a bit. Yeah. I I think so too. And I, you know, the way that he went after Vince McMahon on raw talking about the baby boomers, I think he believed every single damn word that he said. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, and like many things he says, a cursory knowledge of economics and politics and history would more or less agree with them in broad terms. Oh, absolutely. It was his social media stuff that got me how that's the modern day currency and no one cares. I was like, Daniel Bryan, you, you <laughs> wonderful human being. It's almost a shame we live in this era where you can't actually be a proper heel because we do all know that it's you know showmanship and and sure, and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, I, everything he was saying it was just oh man, I, Daniel Bryan right now. You know, again, if I had told you you know a few years ago that he was going to come back and he would he would have turned heel within six months, people were like there's just no Unbelievable. way. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean they had they had the most natural like heartwarming babyface comeback story ever, and they just fumbled. <laughs> But they do that a lot. They just face planted on that. But like, you know, all credit to Daniel Bryan. He rescued his own character and his own career. Oh, massively. By just being brilliant. I, um, I, so go on, man, you go. No, I was, I, I was going to go on from Daniel Bryan. So if you have something else about well, that. No, but no, I was just going to say that WWE managed to do this a lot. If you give them a story that's too obvious, it's like they don't know what to do. You mentioned The Miz and Daniel Bryan too. That was already written. But the one again, there's two other ones that always get me. When Bret Hart came back in 2010, 11, whenever the hell it was, we didn't need any extra bells or whistles. That story was written, <laughs> but we had to do it anyway. We had to introduce things in the story, despite having a story. And obviously the biggest one would be when WCW was bought out. We had the invasion angle, and we couldn't just stick to what everybody wanted. We had to muddy the waters and do... And I know there was other factors to that, but it, it sometimes feels like WWE's better when they're fighting you know, from the corner. If you hand them something yeah. on a plate, it's like, it, oh, I don't know. Simon, it's, it's what I said. It's executive meddling. Yeah, it's you're right. Yeah. Someone, it's someone with too much creative control and not enough people who are able to safely give them honest feedback without being in fear of losing their jobs, getting out of touch, and believing that they can do no wrong. It happens in every art form that involves investment of significant money. You're not wrong, man. It's, it's hard uh, to argue. And and like and here's the evidence: when you get pressure on someone in that position, they start performing better when they're not comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's the era that we're in right now. Uh, I have a seat here. We'll we'll put on our tinfoil hats for a second here. Do it. <laughs> uh, this is my this is my little pet theory, right? Vince rewrote those three episodes in a row of Raw that were just absolute trash, and I feel like they do this new push to change things with all elite, you know, breathing down their necks, at least in their minds. You know, we don't know how big it's going to be yet, but like, it's something worth paying attention to. 
I feel like there is a hero backstage at WWE and creative who convinced Vince McMahon that the show needs the Vince McMahon character (laughs) on camera because he's a huge draw and he makes the stories better by being there, blah, blah, blah. And that gives him less time to fuck up the story. And like, honestly, the more Vince McMahon has been on the TV screen, the less he's been you know, putting his brand of interference in all the different storylines. This is brilliant. That, that is brilliant. Uh, that is and brilliant. And he doesn't have time. He doesn't have time to get, like, he's sitting back there fretting, not sleeping, and then like, oh, I just, I can't stand it. I don't trust these writers. I don't trust this product. I'm going to rewrite the whole thing. We saw what happened. But now he's busy, you know, being Mephistopheles, uh, <laughs> trying to corrupt uh, AJ Styles' soul, <laughs> you know, and and... and telling these insane stories about David and Goliath and stuff. And I feel that that's a much better, uh, a much better situation than somebody, you know, getting a wild hair and just rewriting episodes the last minute. Well, you do. I I think there is something in that. Like I'm not big on conspiracies, but when one makes sense, I'll always put my hands up and go, "Mm, it's not that, you know, it's not the worst idea. I'm saying that could have happened. Uh, It, it, it would fall pretty much in line with what we've seen it's true and all the, um, I, I think as well the best thing about having him back on tv and this will wear off and you could probably argue that maybe maybe that's happening i do get a kick out of seeing him interact with all these people like usually oh, for sure you know that start on raw where it was just brock lesnar and finn balor and braun Strowman. mcmahon being there made it far more intriguing and interesting to oh, me yeah. because i was like well i haven't seen this in ages i've never seen him interact with finn balor in this way and actually look him in the eye and say dude you too small for me man that was a real i got a real kick out of that and it made what you know six months or i mean that two months ago would have been a very standard and stereotypical start to raw it made it interesting and it made me enjoy it more so in that sense well, and, and like he's he's the boss both in the story and in real life and you get this sense of stakes uh, yeah you do he's involved exactly because you know that he actually has legit power too it's not like baron corbin that felt like a prop it's vince mcmahon and vince mcmahon has 25 years plus worth of stock and experience and well he, and the character too like vince mcmahon is not like a wheedling conniving weak cowardly little guy like he's a mean son of a bitch and he'll ruin you (laughs) well we're seeing that too because something that i thought was a little bit weird was you know on raw clearly a bad guy but then on smackdown he's no one says a good guy but he was certainly had you know more leanings that way given that he was yelling at daniel bryan that was a bit strange but i get as you say he can get away with it because he's vince mcmahon and that may be good that may be bad but hey that's just the situation we find ourselves in and it's not going to change you know i i do like seeing him back on tv for now at least i'm not saying that can't change but i i get a kick when um, especially when he was involved with Kurt Hawkins, of all people, on, on Raw. I, I liked that. I was like, okay, I'm not against I, this. When I first started watching wrestling, something that I uh, discussed uh, with some friends of mine who watch wrestling was how cool would it be? How freaking cool would it be if there was a character who either by starting out as a referee or becoming a guest referee just actually enforced every single rule like depending on who was in the match you could make that like the ultimate babyface or the ultimate heel is this referee who actually does his damn job and like i got to see that on tv <laughs> well not none, none of the other ones do they can't do their job to save their life yeah i mean we just had a referee who was like oh finn balor gets suplexed by someone not in the match 
eh. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's see where this goes. And then he still got DQ'd later on. That was ridiculous. That was a bit. Oh, that, that was a bit much. Yeah. But uh, I, but like yeah, he was. He called everyone on everything. Yeah. And it was so glorious. It was fantastic. The, oh, I didn't even mean to do the Bobby Roode pun there. I'm sorry. <laughs> the best thing about that was too, and this kind of shows how. Well, I guess what a different world, a uh, different world that we live in. But uh, a friend of mine, that again, very, very, very peripheral wrestling fan, he was like, "Oh, that bit with Kurt Hawkins was so stupid with the tag rope." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, that's not a real rule." I was like, "Bro, <laughs> it is. That's a rule." But WWE would never tell you that. So how would you know to begin with? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, so, so yeah, beyond uh, Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan, uh, I would say that my other favorite wrestler, as stereotypical as it is, is Becky Lynch. No, I get it, man. Uh, She's on fire right now. I mean, her her character is in terms of being like likable and badass basically unparalleled at present um and you know she's been involved in some of my very favorite matches i've seen since starting to watch wwe at the start of 2018 well absolutely man i mean her resume sort of you know latter part of last year was was ridiculous like evolution <sighs> insane, and survivor insane. series evolution TLC. was actually my favorite uh, pay-per-view that i've seen so far oh yeah dude uh, it was a fantastic oh, dude and that match that match is my favorite uh, WWE match that I've yet seen. Not surprised, man. Uh, it was great. It was so good. Um, although NXT, who boy, they put on some good matches. Well, they are. That's just it. It's not even a WWE product, is it? I don't even know what it is. Well, and they, just... and they do. Triple H clearly subscribes to much more of a like ghetto style yeah, 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 yeah. of of uh, booking, where it's like I don't care if a story takes a year and a half. Like I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna like build and build and build and like let the pacing be what it ought to be, and I'm mm. not gonna forget any details. And doesn't sway because when there's public outcry either. Everything, everything with Champa and Gargano. Oh man, it has gone in such an unexpectedly dark and complicated direction, and the fact that it's still not over. Like I was sure it was gonna be over by now, and I couldn't be more delighted to have been wrong. Yeah. Um, absolutely love it, and yeah, I guess. We're talking about NXT at all. My other favorite present wrestler, 100%, is Alistair Black. I can see that. I think I think Alistair Black for someone. I think Alistair Black talking about people that kind of capture uh, the context of today. Alistair Black fits into that for me because if you follow him on social media, he's very he's a big advocate about mental health and things like that. He talks about it. He's very cool in the ring. He comes across like his own guy. I think he's very of the time in a good way. I I think Alistair I, Black I has. I love I love the like he's from the Netherlands, right? And you can kind of tell because he, he has this like heavy kickboxing style to his wrestling that's very unique, like very brutal looking, uh, you know, fast and hard hitting. And the whole like Thelema and Tarot and all these like occult things uh, gimmick just really gets me. I love it. Also, it doesn't, doesn't hurt that like I go and watch him do a workout video and he's listening to my favorite band. You know? <laughs> Who's that? Uh, Behemoth. Oh, nice, dude. I like it, man. I didn't know he was into Behemoth. There you go. You learn something new every yeah, day. Yeah, he was listening to Left Hand of God uh, kicking a punching bag, you know, kicking a kickboxing bag. I was like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> but stuff like that helps, doesn't it? It makes you warm to them more because you feel like you've got a connection to them then. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I am a little nervous about where his place is going to be coming up in NXT. Who knows, um, man, right? But, like, but everything they've done with him so far has been really, really good. And I, I must say, I don't. Is there ever an example of someone getting injured and them making more, uh, you know, lemonade out of those lemons? Uh, dude, I because mean. Because that, that whole angle was so fantastic. 
Oh, the, the whole thing. Like, it, it was the perfect... Well, like, I saw um, Chris Sabre... No, not Chris. Who? It was a football player. It wasn't a wrestler at all. I can't remember now. A football player has just been ruled out for, for a long period of time. And I saw... And it just really sort of... It made sense to me. And I saw somebody else say, you know, to him who'd also been injured, you know, make sure you use this time to work on other aspects of your game. And it really made me think about wrestling, especially Alistair Black and other people that... Okay, you can't perform and you can't do this and you can't do that, but you can go out and do so many other things. And that's exactly what Alistair Black did. Like it was, you know, yeah. if, if anything else, you know, the WWE, NXT, Triple H, and him himself. Again, it, it, it meant when he came back, he was an even bigger deal. And when does that ever happen? I freaked out when he came back, and and some of just the details in that story, like Nikki Cross knew what happened, but she was just too out there and like bizarre for anyone to like nail her down enough to actually like have her tell them. Yeah. And Alistair Black comes back, he just demands that <laughs> yeah, she yeah, tells him. And did. she does. Yeah, because he's cool. So good. Because he's a badass. And that's what, you know, he's not, yeah. he's not a geek. And that's why we like him, because he takes control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dear, I tell you, man. All right, look, so just because we are, we, we are, we are rounding up to, to my, my glorious one hour mark, I do want to talk about the Royal Rumble quickly. Nothing big. Sure, I just, I just want to know, uh, I give my predictions a lot, but, it, you know, it'd be really cool to hear your predictions, where you want to think it, it can go, who do you want to win, do you think Finn Balor has a chance against Brock Lesnar, just a quick overview of what you'd like to see from the Royal Rumble, and what you think will happen as well, because I understand that sometimes they can be different. Sure, sure, let's see, what do we got? Uh, in terms of the men's Royal Rumble, I mean, it's a little boring, but... It seems like everyone's saying it's either Seth or Drew, and I would lean towards that being true and probably much more likely to be Seth. Um, even if you just want to, like, you know, put on your Sherlock Holmes hat and be like, oh, look who is the middle, like, front and center person on the banner for Raw now, right? Yeah, Stuff like but no, that. it all counts. It all, marketing's um, massive, so. And I, and I feel like he's probably the best choice to be the guy right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, and I feel like Drew McIntyre is a natural like person to challenge him first because they they seem to do really well in the ring together i think Um, i think it's one of those situations where sometimes you can expect something and it sucks but sometimes you can expect something and you get it and it's great and i think this is one of those times it's the natural place to go exactly it just Uh, makes sense in in my opinion it's it's gonna make raw kind of feel like it's on an even keel and the belt is back which will be fantastic yeah Um, i agree so that 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 pretty much for me, cinches it. I'll be rooting for Seth. I'll be wearing my Seth Rollins shirt. <laughs> right, man. Uh, what about the women's rumble? In terms of the women's, I could see a lot of different things. Uh, maybe an unpopular opinion. I would really like someone surprising to win yes, this one. Simply, no, I've gone simply with it, man. because everyone in the world wants that triple threat with Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. And they can come up with any excuse they want to put that together because it's just the hottest thing like they don't need to spend the rumble on that you know what i mean like they could give someone else a material push totally agree for their career through that and uh since ember moon is my other favorite uh female wrestler like i of course would like her to win dude that's amazing uh, that's my prediction i made as well that what culture video is going live today i went with ember moon so that is we're in sync man we absolutely in sync <laughs> i would love it if she won because i want her to challenge oscar I, I i want her to finally get a win over oscar after all those failed attempts yeah you know uh plus they just do good matches so like be another good match dude hell yeah you man you hell need, yeah you don't need the rumble to get this triple threat everyone wants it anyway and no matter how we are given it we'll all be happy to see it you know um 
but I don't know. I think it's more likely that someone involved in that is going to win. But, you know, uh, I feel like poor Finn is getting fed to Brock, but at least they're making him look amazing in the process. And it seems like Brock is not going to be a lazy piece of shit and like, <laughs> actually do a good match with him. Yeah, there's there's something. A quick digression, if you don't mind going a few extra minutes. There are two wrestlers, only two, that I don't like. Do it, man. This is how we'll end. This is a good ending. I like this. This is good. Hit me. Brock Lesnar and Nia Jax. <laughs> don't like them. Right. Well, Nia Jax, because, I can figure because out Because whether, whether through gross incompetence or just outright malice, they hurt people who they work with. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, one of the first things I saw, right, because it was, it was uh, Royal Rumble 2018, was Brock Lesnar intentionally punching Braun Strowman really, really hard in the side of the head. That did, Very that, intentionally. That, that did happen. You're right. And... Fuck that guy. You know, like, like this wrestling is dangerous and it requires cooperation and mutual respect. And like, I've got no time for somebody who's going to be a bully who, or is going to throw a tantrum at the cost of somebody else's health. No, dude. I, I, That's I, ridiculous. Yeah, no, I've always said. Get him out of there. I, I've always <laughs> said that, you know, sometimes you get interviews with veterans and they say, oh, the locker room and the, you know, the madness. And I'm like, you know what, man? I don't think I would have been able to survive in the locker room back then. I'd much rather no. locker room where everybody's friends. Everybody's sort of, you know, there for the good of the company. That's just my, that's just my vibe. That's just my vibe. I mean, it's like, it's like, if you're, if like you're watching a, like a movie or a TV show and then you find out that like, you know, like somebody was bullying someone on set or, or like, God forbid, like sexually assaulted someone. It's like, it doesn't matter how good their performance is. They got to be out of there. Yeah, no, I did agree. Uh, and, it, and it's, and this, this smacks of like the NFL or boxing or something where it's like, well, if you bring in enough money, you can just do whatever you want. Oh, 100% is that. It's 100% um, that. There's no question. So, yeah, those are the only two I don't like. I, you know, like, I, I appreciate everybody's work as long as they, like, you know, have goodwill uh, for the other people that they're working with. I do. I agree. I agree. I'm never into that kind of stuff. It's just not how I live my life. It's just not. I'm, um, I'm more each to their own and and that sure, kind of nonsense. Sure. Uh, so uh, let me know how you think it's all going to go with Oscar, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte, and then we can. Uh... Gosh, uh, they have surprisingly for something where everyone in the world wants one thing. They actually have a lot of good options that aren't necessarily exactly what we think, and I think that that's just. Um, a real testament to how good and consistently good the SmackDown women's division has been. Oh yeah, oh, I think it's the best thing in the in the company right now. I really do. In terms of yeah. in terms of not only the stories but also the outcome of the stories. And they both work because sometimes you can have a good story but it has a crappy ending. At the yeah, moment, yeah. I kind of think like they're both doing well. Well, I'm going to get back and beat my drum here a little bit too. Uh, Vince McMahon pays less attention to SmackDown than Raw and less attention <laughs> to women than men. <laughs> and so SmackDown women's division is going to have the least meddling. Uh, and and the most creative freedom. I mean, I can't argue that. I, I can't argue. Yeah, it so, certainly seems to be uh, the case. Uh, gosh, I mean, I I want the triple threat for sure. Like I said, you can do that without Charlotte or Becky winning the Rumble. Um, I think it would be madness to take the belt off Oscar because the fans love her and she just got it and she got it under sort of mis- like a, a little bit hinky circumstances with with Ronda and stuff. So. I would keep it on her. You can you can find another way to push Becky. Everyone in the world wants her to win every match forever, right? So, <laughs> um, and God, Charlotte's so good. 
like just her level of athleticism and skill is just out of this world. It's just, just uh, I, I never understood when everyone's like, oh, it's just because she's Ric Flair's daughter. I was like, I don't think it is. I think it is, man. I think she's no. really talented. Like, I think have she's really good. Do have you seen her do a wrestle though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I never got <laughs> like, it. Never got it at all. No, so I think we are going to get the triple threat, whether through the Rumble or not. Um, but God only knows who's going to win that. I mean, like people will be. M- very happy if Becky does. Uh but you never know. You know, uh Charlotte's amazing. She also does undeniably have some cachet with the company and and might get it for that reason. Or you might give it to Rhonda because she's the biggest legitimate crossover star that they've got right now. Um but I think if they're smart they'll let Becky win because you see Charlotte and Rhonda getting booed when they're opposing her. You know what I mean? Like anyone who's in her orbit is just the bad guy. Yeah. If she, if, like if, if Becky like raises an eyebrow at someone, they're the enemy of the people. It's true. No, it's, like that's how, that's, that's how like it she is right now. Uh, so I feel like for the sake of all the people involved's careers, it would be nice for Becky to win. I, I think it's all going to bleed into one. I said this other day. I think whatever happens in Ronda's match will be affected by Charlotte in the Rumble, which will be affected by Becky Lynch versus oh, Oscar. Yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like that's quite likely. Yeah, but I'd, I, I'd like that. I think that'd be really... Again, to tell that story and have it intertwined throughout our whole pay-per-view, great storytelling. As long as you pull it off, which I think they will do. Um, yeah, and that, that's yeah, why, and that's I, why just as a sort of a, a bullet point or a full stop, that's why I think the Royal Rumble is going to be great. I think the card is great. I think both Royal Rumbles have the potential to be really fun. And the card is really stacked, with the exception of possibly the SmackDown tag team match. But like, I like a comedy match here and there, uh, and this is going to be dumb. <laughs> and at least there's a story to it, right? Like, at least there's yeah, a story. Absolutely. That's the main thing. It has a story, so I, I, I don't mind it at all. I think the Miz and Shane McMahon will win. I just think there's too much. I think you're right. Yeah, and then, but I and I right. will say this: if that happens, anybody that moaned about Shane McMahon being the best in the world, you've got to stop moaning because this is the. <laughs> This, this is how it ended. And if you're happy about this, then that's where it started. This is where it ended. So it's as simple as that. Yep. Simple as that. Oh, what dear. a strange road. Um, yeah. uh, dude, the weirdest. If you had told me this is the direction we were going to head, I would not have believed you. But no, I do. Absolutely not. I, I think the Rumble's going to be good. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, but we will see. We will see what they do. WWE surprised us before. Hopefully they won't surprise us again. But we will, we will figure it out. Well, look, Rob, dude, I want to thank you, man. That has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. And I knew something would come up. It always does. The Vince McMahon, <laughs> well, the Vince McMahon chat was, again, just wonderful, man. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and, you know, not to... I don't want to sound like I hate the dude. No, I think not he's at all, like man. the best in the world at, like, 499 of his 500 jobs, you know? No, absolutely, dude. Like, it's... Um... You know, it, it, I just, it's just, it's, it's always good to have a critical discussion about anything. So yeah, yeah like you yeah. know, I, I, I think this, I think it's important to do that. And it, look, I enjoyed it, man. So that's that's, that's all that matters. Uh, dear. Okay, uh, right. So Rob, do you want to give a shout out to all your stuff again? A, the film. What's the yeah. film called again? Yeah, sure. The film is called The Nightmare Gallery. It's uh, very, very late in post production right now, so it will be out this year, 2019. Uh, the Nightmare Gallery, starring Amber Benson. It is a horror slash dark fantasy kind of a film uh set in the set in the modern day it's not like wizards and elves and stuff but it's a it's a person dealing with some very mysterious very creepy stuff um my podcast is the orpheus protocol uh which is uh the long form campaign beta test of my tabletop role-playing game the orpheus protocol that i 
edit and produce and add music and stuff too to the point where it is more like a radio drama than listening to people play a game like i have plenty of listeners who don't play tabletop games they just listen for the story brilliant uh that you can uh check out on you know itunes or whatever uh pod catching app you prefer to listen to podcasts on uh those are my big main things is the podcast the game that's coming to kickstarter later this year yeah. and uh the movie that'll finally see the light of day uh later this year as well have you got any social media you want to throw out there uh sure thing uh i am followable on twitter at lord of the stith uh my last name is stith <laughs> s-t-i-s-t-i-t-h so it's like smith but with a t instead of an m it's the welsh uh spelling a little bit weird but you know um lord of the stith that's my personal twitter and then orpheus protocol at orpheus protocol is the show uh and twitter is what i'm most active on it's my social media platform of choice at the moment there you go that's how you keep up with rob and honestly do some great chats some great opinions on that that was really i enjoyed that a lot i thought that was awesome uh as always glad to glad to pinch hit for you here uh, <laughs> all of a sudden like hey do you want to do a podcast like right now it was it was and don't forget if you are on the list to come on that could happen to you one day as well so always keep an eye on that patreon message you never know where it's coming again if you do want to support the podcast it's just patreon.com forward slash simon 316 thank you to everybody that did come aboard this week even if you can spare a dollar it helps me know and it's how i find all of this and how i can definitely always ensure that i free up my day uh, to get some time in because we all know that's how that's how the life and that's how the world works i'm on twitter at simon 316 on instagram at simon 316 also this podcast will be on youtube youtube.com forward slash the middle report rules head over there give it a subscribe give us five stars whatever you can on whatever podcasting app you listen to and of course make sure you tune in next week where we will go through the raw rumble and try and figure out whether it was good or whether it was bad rob i'm gonna let you sleep now because you've been up for a very long time but dude thank you so much again that was great all right and for everybody else again yeah i will talk to you in a few days time